Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles, why don't you go with me over to Genesis uh, chapter number 12, Genesis, or excuse me, Genesis 15. Uh, we're going we're gonna to read a portion of scripture that I'm going to share for a few moments today. And I'm going to try to be quick so I, we can get you out of here so you can go and do what, what, uh, what's important. You want to eat a great meal on Mother's Day. Even if your mom's not here, uh, even if you don't like your mom, like just go and eat a great meal. Even if it's by yourself, eat, eat like a great, great meal. That's what Mother's Day should be about. You eat great food. And then I want all the uh, husbands in here, I want you to practice this with me. Just say this with me. Say whatever you want. To say it. And if you're single and you're a guy in here, you're single and one day you hope to be married, you need to practice this too. Just say it. Say it right now. Say whatever you want. Whatever you want. You just need to say that to her. When she says today, whatever the request is, just say whatever you want. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. And it's going to be a good day in your house. Uh, Genesis chapter 15. Uh, we'll read this. Uh, I was thinking about a lot of different ways that I could have gone with this message today, with it being Mother's Day. Uh, you know, I could have talked about Mary, you know, what a, what a mom, right? Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, how the Bible says that there were things about her son that she treasured in her heart and she pondered about them off. And I think that's a great picture of moms, like how they, the things that they believe about their children. I mean, even when their children like act like they were born in hell, like just demonic, just crazy kids, moms are like, no, they're perfect little angels. You know, like the things that they believe about them. I could have talked about like how Mary just treasured these things in her heart. She believed these things in her heart about her son, Jesus. I could have talked about Hannah, uh, Hannah's hope, how Hannah, um, she believed God to provide a child for her. There's so many great stories. Moses' mom. I mean, think about uh, that mom. There's, there's great, strong women and strong moms in the scriptures. But as I was praying and preparing, I thought about uh, this one particular story, the story of a woman named Sarah. Um, she has a beautiful story. And I want to say this, that I don't want you to check out if you're not a mom or if you're a male, because while I was writing this sermon, flying home from London yesterday, um, I was extremely challenged and extremely convicted. And I'm not a mom, you know, nor do I ever plan to be a mom, okay? Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I, 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 read, I read Sarah's story, and I, I, I just looked into this, and man, God really spoke to me about some things he's still working on in my own heart. And I know that if I'm a male and I'm the guy up here on the stage giving the talk, and if it ministered to me, I think it'll minister to you. It will speak to your heart. And so I want to encourage you, open up your heart, open up your mind. I think God's going to speak to you uh, today. Uh, Genesis 15, I'll read just a, a couple of verses to you. Genesis 15, after this, uh, you can go back and read uh, the previous chapter, but it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Uh, later, you'll see his name changed to Abraham. It's the same guy. You'll also see the name Sarah changed to Sarah later, and I'll explain that. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, so it was the Lord speaking to him, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children. This is what he says to the Lord. You have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to him. Look at this promise. Said, this man will not be your heir, but a son um, who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So he's making him a promise. You're going to have a son. You're going to have a child. You're going to have legacy. 
Um, and then he goes on and he says, so then the Lord took Abram outside and then he said this to him. I love this. Look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, so there's faith. Abram believed the promise of the Lord, and the Lord credited to him as righteousness. So it was righteousness not by something he did, but by who he believed in. It was faith. Faith is, faith is the vehicle that appropriates the right standing with God. We see the gospel even in this. But I love this because the Lord comes to Abram, and he's 75 years old. He's 75. This is a man that's discouraged that he has no legacy. And God comes to him in his discouragement, and he says, hey, I'm going to make a promise to you. I'm going to give you a son, and, uh, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're going to be able to cash in on this promise. There will be a payoff to this promise. But the Bible teaches us that 25 years goes by, 25 years. I don't even know if I want to live to 100, okay, if I'm honest. But 25 years go by, um, and then the promise comes, but look what it says in verse, uh, in chapter 21, and we'll finish with this, and I'll, I'll tell you the, kind of the title of what I want to talk to you about. Sarah, Sarah, 25 years later, Sarah, Abraham's wife, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this, all of my friends, they will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Um, this story is about a promise that is given and then a long period of waiting before the promise comes to fruition. It's between the promise and the payoff. It's a season of waiting. It's a season of waiting. And there's a lot to learn in the waiting that we're going we're gonna to lean into. Because I think that there's a lot of us today, if we're, if we're candid, that there are things that we're still waiting for. Maybe you're still waiting for a job, waiting for a spouse, waiting for a home, waiting for, I don't know. A lot of us, there's things that we find ourselves in life waiting. And here's what I've discovered. Is sometimes it's hard to do well in the waiting. And so this story about Sarah is in fact that, doing well in the waiting, doing well in the waiting. So let's pray. Father, we love you so much. God, we thank you. Um, we thank you that your presence is here with us today and your Holy Spirit is here with us today. And so right now, um, God, we, we just invite you to speak to us. I, I, I want to hear from you today. We all, we want to hear a word from you today. Those that have followed you for a long time or those that maybe are fresh followers of Jesus or maybe those that are just searching and seeking and have questions. Today, here's what we say. We say, speak to us. Speak to us. We want to hear from you. And um, God, we, we, we know that there are times when we walk through waiting seasons. And so today, Lord, if there are those that are waiting, I pray that you would you would speak to them in the waiting so that we can do well in the waiting. Lord, we love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, why don't you clap your hands for God's word. Hey, where, where are all my impatient people at? Anybody in here, you find yourself naturally, you're impatient? Okay, good. So that's my family right there. This is, this is we, are, we are friends. Have you ever noticed how, how, how waiting is like one of the most torturous things for the human soul? It just is. I mean, you just go stand in line at Apple, right, waiting for something. Go to the, go to the In-N-Out in Daly City, okay? Talk to me. You will need counseling after that, okay? About waiting for things. 
One of the things that I've, I've discovered in the last few years, and you could ask some of the people on our team this, is I don't do well with waiting on people to respond to text and phone calls and emails. Anybody else in here, you're like that? Like when you've, you've put a text out there, especially if it was like one of those very vulnerable texts, like, hey, I just want to tell you I was thinking about you, I love you, praying for you, and two weeks go by, and you've heard nothing. You begin to question everything about yourself, Okay. Begin to question the relationship. I don't do well waiting. I, I just don't. I don't do well waiting for, for things when I'm waiting at a store. I don't do well waiting in line for something. I don't do well waiting at the airport. I'll lose my mind waiting in the airport at the TSA checkout, check, check out, check in, check whatever thing. I, I will lose my mind. As a matter of fact, tomorrow I'm going to get the, the pre-check, whatever it's, the, the, the TSA thing. So I don't have to wait. Like I, I literally am scheduled to go do that tomorrow because I don't like waiting. Because we just got back from London last night and I waited for a long time time in lines and I just thought I don't want to wait anymore I'm tired of waiting I just don't want to wait I lose my mind and go crazy in the waiting some of you maybe you're and I won't spend too long on this because I don't want to get anybody in trouble but maybe you're waiting for someone to propose moving right along <clears throat> that's all I'm going to say there waiting for a job waiting for a promotion there's something about waiting that I, I, I don't know why but there's something about waiting that, that is so challenging, I would assume that it's probably this. It's probably that things are out of our control, right? And that we're just waiting for something, and we're, it's like we're just, we have no control over the situation, and we're just waiting. And it can be one of the hardest things. And what I've discovered, it can be very painful, especially when it's related to waiting on something that you feel like God has promised you. When you've been praying for something, believing something, holding on to a word that you wrote down in your journal or something you underlined in the scriptures that you felt like was to you and a promise from heaven, a promise from God to you and you have just been waiting and you've been faithful and you've been doing all the right things and you've been, you've been doing everything that you know to do in the waiting season. But what I've discovered is it, it can take a toll on your soul when you're waiting when you're, when you're working a job, how about this? When you're just working a job and you're wait, waiting to be thanked or just to be noticed or to be recon, uh, recognized, in the waiting times, it can just, man, the enemy of our soul can work us over when we are waiting, especially when you're waiting on something from God. I think that, that Sarah's story of 25 years of waiting after God has promised for a child I think that there's a, there's a huge tension that we can connect with and relate to, and here's what it is. Write this down. God sometimes takes more time than we would like for him to take in doing what we feel like he's promised he would do. Like, that, that can be frustrating. Have you ever noticed that God's watch, his, his little timepiece, is completely different from yours? It's just like God and, and us, like, we're just not aligned on the time thing. And that in and of itself can be one of the most discouraging things. Abraham gets his promise from God, and, uh, and he, he believes God when he gets the word that they're going to have a child. I imagine he tells Sarah, like, we're going to have a, a child. It's going to be amazing. And they're probably waiting for any moment for this to happen. But a lot of times, God will he'll speak something to us, and he'll, he'll, he'll throw something out there to us, an encouragement, a hope, a dream, He'll, he'll put those things in our heart, but then that just really starts the process of faith and preparation in our own heart. Because a lot of times, God doesn't just like say something and do it right then. A lot of times, the way that God works is God will say, here's what's coming, and now follow me in faith as I prepare you for what I've prepared for you. 
That's just how it works. And sometimes it's a fast preparation, it's a fast track, and sometimes it takes a long period of time. One of the interesting things about this text is that you'll notice that uh, their names at the beginning of the promise is Abram and Sarah. Later, after 25 years, their name gets changed in the process. God changes their name um, into Abraham and to Sarah. There's this added like H-A in there. And when you go and begin to dig into some of the original language, those, those, that little prefix or that little thing that's injected in there is this. It's, it represents God. It's Yahweh. And here's what the point is. Here's kind of the, the, the writer's point is that they're wanting to show that it's in that process of them following God and trusting God through the ups and the downs, the encouraging moments, the discouraging moments, times when they believe and times when they doubt. It's in that whole process of development that they actually, God, they begin to take on a little bit of more, a little bit more of God's character. They become more God-like. God begins to do a work in their heart and he transforms them because, listen, it's about the process. God is all into the process. We want the product. God wants the process because God's more concerned with transforming us than just giving us what we want. It's about the process. This is the story that we find. I think one of the first big takeaways that I find from Sarah's story, as we'll read in a few verses, is that as she's waiting, she begins to take matters in her own hands. She begins to doubt that God is actually going to come through And so she starts kind of setting up this surrogate situation where she finds this other lady named Hagar, who's one of the slaves in their family. And she says, I I can't wait on God anymore. I'm going to have to take matters in my own hands. And so she sets up this surrogate situation, and God never said that that's his plan. God said, I am going to provide a child for you on my terms and in my timing. You just need to trust, and you just need to wait. I'm sure there was, you know, some things that Abraham and Sarah had to do as well because faith without works is dead. Hello. (laughs) Preach that. (laughs) But, but what happens is, is they feel like they're doing everything that they can do. And then she gets so frustrated. She begins to take matters in her own hand and sets up this surrogate solution. And what I've discovered is that with God, and, and I don't mean this in a natural sense, but I mean this in a very spiritual sense, is that God does not need our surrogate solutions to what he's promised us. He doesn't need our assistance. He just needs our cooperation. Hmm. Better stop that right now. It was good preaching. Wasn't even in my notes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me put that in my notes really quick. God doesn't need your help. He doesn't need my help. He just needs your faith. He needs my faith. That we would trust him and we believe him. And here's what I've discovered is we don't need to complicate God's promise with our plans. We don't need to do that. He doesn't need you to plan out something. Listen, many are the plans of man, but the purpose of God prevails, Proverbs says. That's from wisdom literature. God doesn't need your plans. He just needs your cooperation. And we begin to see that is as she begins to make plans and she sets up this situation with Hagar, what you see when you read on in the story is it creates a lot of dysfunction in their family a lot of chaos and confusion. As a matter of fact, the fruit of this decision, the child that gets born out of her planning and her trying to assist God in his promise is a son named Ishmael, which later becomes the Ishmaelites, who they create, it creates enmity between the Ishmaelites and the Israelites, God's people. And this is what happens when you and I take matters in our own hands and we begin to try to rush the process and we begin to try to force God's hand and we try to come up with some 
solutions to the promise that he's given us, it will always create enmity and challenges and struggle and turmoil and war in our own soul because it's not the way he designed it. It's not the way that he planned it. I'm not saying that you're to just sit around on your hands and wait. I'm saying there is a patience and a persistence and a prayerfulness. And there's, there's you leaning into God saying, God, I'm trusting you in the process. Genesis 16, it goes on. It says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. I want you to watch this. This is, this is it's so intense. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. It's amazing whenever things don't happen the way we want it in our life and we become disappointed, we can become disillusioned, and we begin, that begins to shape our theology about God. She says, you know what? God has kept me from having children. Listen, God is sovereign. God is in control. But this is a bad way to view your heavenly father. Just because things are delayed, it doesn't mean they're denied. Just because things haven't happened yet, it doesn't mean they won't happen. It just means that there's still a process that you're in. It just means that you're still in a season of waiting. And here's what I've discovered. Here's the first thing. Write this down. Here's what you need to do. Sarah would say this to you and I today, is you need to trust God even if it takes a long time. Whatever it is right now that you're waiting on, male or female, mother, father, single, college student, whatever, whatever it is that you're waiting on, maybe you're not even a Christian, you're like, I'm not waiting on God to do anything. I'm waiting for him to prove himself. Maybe that's it. Listen, trust God even if it takes a long time. If you've been waiting for a spouse, waiting for a child, waiting for a job, keep trusting, even if it's taking a long time. Don't give up. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, it says, don't get weary of doing good for in due season you will reap a great harvest if you don't give up. Listen, don't get weary in the waiting. On the other side of your waiting, on the other side of your patience, on the other side of your faith is something that's so wonderful that will blow your mind. Don't stop waiting. Don't stop trusting on the other side of it. Don't stop. I read this the other day. It says a guy once asked God, God, what's a million years like to you? God says, it's like one second. Guy says to God, God, what's a million dollars like to you? God says, it's like one penny. Guy says, God, can I have one of those pennies? God says, sure, just wait a second. I like that. Trust God, even if it takes a long time. It's in the waiting that the enemy of your soul will come in and begin to do this. Watch. Remember, she says this. She says, the Lord's keeping, the Lord's holding out on me from this. The Lord's keeping this, me from having kids. Here's what the enemy will always do to our soul, is when we get in those moments where we feel like God hasn't come through with the promise and we haven't got the thing we've been waiting for and praying for and hoping for, the enemy of our soul comes alongside that wound of, here's what it is, it's a wound of abandonment. We feel like we've been abandoned by God. And then God, the enemy of your soul will come alongside and here's what he does. He'll begin to whisper into that wound. And begin to say this, God's holding out on you. God's keeping this from you. And you cannot trust him. This is exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. And I don't want to go into a full, all the details of it. But the enemy comes up next to Eve and Adam, but Eve first, and says this. Did God really say that you can't eat from this? Like, is it, like he, what he, here's what he's doing. He's trying to make them think that God's holding something out from you. God's holding, like, he, did he really say you can't eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil? Like, what is he trying to, what is he holding out on you? And he gets them to believe that God is holding out from them 
deceives them to think that God cannot be trusted, and that's whenever they sin by taking matters in their own hand. It's the cycle. You see it here in this story. You see it out throughout the Bible. You see it in your own life, is that you begin to wait, and you wait, and you wait, and God hasn't come through. The enemy of your soul begins to say, God doesn't really love you. God doesn't really care about you. God, you can't trust him. Take matters in your own hand. And this is where we get off course. Let me ask you this question. What are you currently trying to do in your own ability that you aren't trusting God to do? What are you currently right now in your life, something that you're hope, hoping for, that you're praying for and believing for, but you're, you're not trusting God to deliver on that promise. You're taking matters in your own hands and you're trying to force something and you know you are and you're just forcing it and you're struggling in the waiting. I want you to hear me say this. Listen, I'm not saying this to be hard on you. I'm just saying this because I feel like your heavenly father wanted to tell you, just continue to trust me. Just continue to believe. Don't try to plan this thing out. Let me do it. Trust me, just follow me. Here's the second thing I think that we learned from Sarah's story is you can trust God even if it seems ridiculous. I mean, think about this. She's been, she's not been able to have children up until this point and they're pretty old, okay? They're past the age of having kids. Don't you think that this sounded pretty ridiculous? You're gonna have a child. You're like 75 years old. You're gonna have a kid. This, this doesn't sound like it's even possible. But what I've discovered is that all things are possible for those that believe. All things are possible for those that put their faith and their trust into God. And here's why I'm making this point. Because, because here's what I thought I, I should probably communicate to you is that if you don't understand this and get this whole thing that God sometimes will call us to things that doesn't really make sense and may seem foolish or ridiculous, then this whole journey is going to be a challenge for you, this journey of Christianity. Because pretty much all of it seems ridiculous if I'm being candid with you. Think about it. This is the most backwards thing that we're a part of in the kingdom you got to die to live. you got to serve to lead. you got to be last to be first. got to lose your life to find your life. you got to give to receive. I mean, what are we even talking about? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? This whole thing is backwards. This whole thing's upside down. Or maybe it's right side up. Maybe this is the kingdom that God came to establish in an upside down world that he's setting this thing right. That the last shall be first and the first shall be last and you serve to lead, you die to live and man, you lose things to find things. This is the kingdom. It is irrational. It is, it is sometimes irreverent. It is ridiculous and sometimes it doesn't make any sense but it is the kingdom that he has called us to and it takes faith to follow a God like that. Here's the, second, here's the third thing that I, that I thought of. Let me, read, let me read this. I'm going to read the scripture. I forgot about this one. This is a good one. So 25 years later, okay, so she's tried to force this thing and make this thing happen all this time. It's just creating drama and chaos. You go read the story and you get a chance. It is bizarre what happens in their family. But then, Genesis chapter 18, then the Lord said this, I will surely return to you about this time next year. So this is 24 years after the promise, 24 years. I'm going to return to you next year. And Sarah, look, her name has changed. Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah, look, laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, speaking of Abraham, he's old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child? And now that I am old, watch this, 
is anything too hard for the Lord? This is what the Lord's asking. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You need to, write, you need to just underline that. That may be a word for some of you today. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything the healing that you're, is anything too hard for the Lord? The restoration of your marriage, the breakthrough in your finances, the job that, or the, the business that you want to start, the spouse that you want to have, is anything too hard for the Lord? Listen, if the Lord can save you and me, there's nothing too hard for the Lord, okay? I can answer that for you right now. It says, I will return to you at the appointed time, at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah will have a son. I, I think if you were just to go with me in this moment, he's 100, she's 90 at this point, okay? Imagine you going and telling your friends, hey, guess what? <laughs> Next year, going to have a baby. What do, what do you think that your friends would say? Your family would be like, she has lost her mind. You need to lock her away somewhere, Right? Listen, here's the third thing I want to tell you. When you're waiting in a waiting season, trust God even if those around you don't. Trust God even if those around you don't. Have faith in the promises of God even when those who are around you don't. Genesis 21, the story goes on. Sarah said, this is the next year she has her child. And Sarah says this, God has brought me laughter. Remember before, she laughed at the promise because it seemed ridiculous. But now, because God came through on the promise in his grace, even, listen, even in spite of her doubt, God is a God of grace. Even when we struggle to believe, God is still so good. And she says, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh, not at me, but with me. People will find, they will rejoice with me at God's promise being fulfilled. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. I love that. The amazing thing about this is this, is that Sarah spends most of this story, 24 years doubting God, and yet God is so gracious, she still ends up in the hall of faith in the book of Hebrews celebrated for her faith and trust in God. Look what Hebrews 11 says. And by faith, I like how the writer threw this in there, even Sarah. (laughs) And by faith, even Jason, right? And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled, enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. I think that is absolutely good news is that God is so full of grace. You know what grace is? God giving us what we do not deserve. That's what, that's what grace is. That's what salvation is. God, we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve the acceptance of God, but he gives us what we deserve the least, but we need the most. That is the gospel. This is such a beautiful picture that even in our doubt, that even when we don't, we don't fully trust and we struggle with our faith, God is so good that even in spite of that, God will still do miraculous things in our life. That's how good your God is. That's how good my God is. That even when I struggle to, there's days when Jennifer and I, we still struggle to believe that he's going to heal our son Nixon, but you know what? We keep believing. And I believe that even if we struggle at times with our faith, God's so good out of his grace, he can still come through on the promise. He can. That was a, that was three people clapped over here. They need some help. Thank you, Elton. I owe you one. Next week during worship, I'm going to worship even harder, bro. (laughs) I got you. Hey, let me give you these three things, and I'll I'll be quiet. Three things that Sarah would tell us today 
um, if we want to do well in the waiting. And I want you to write this down. I encourage you when you come you know, on the weekends, don't just come and observe. Come and participate. Come whenever, some, whenever we're worshiping, man, lift your hands and worship. Worship God. When someone's preaching, if you, if you, if, if you agree with that, just say, hmm, or something. Just amen. That's good. Be appropriate. Don't yell and be crazy and be a distraction. But, man, you just want to write down things. Man, let God speak to you. Look at this. I love this. Here's the first thing Sarah would tell you. Don't try to get ahead of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. Hmm. Don't try to get ahead of God when he isn't moving fast enough. For you. Let me tell you this. I struggle with this. Activator is in my, in my top five strengths. Activator. Uh, when I want something done, I want it done right now. Like I just want it done now. I can't wait on you. I, 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 you're, you're too slow. I, I, I just let's get it done right now. One of the things that's been challenged for me is even, you know, I love this space that we're in. But, man, I would love it if we had our own building. Could you imagine if we had our own church building? Wouldn't that be amazing? Look, and all the dream team claps their hands. Because they show up at 6 a.m. and they do all the setup. And listen, I, I, I want to take a moment and say this to our dream team. Some of you, you may be new to our church and you don't know this. We have a group of people called the dream team. that They've gone through our growth track and they've become a member of our church. And they said, I don't want to just be a consumer. I want to be a contributor. And they're a contributor on this team, building the house of God, building the church. They show up, many of them, not all, but many of them show up at 6 a.m. to come here and to create a space for people to encounter the presence of God. That's the dream team here. And if you're on that dream team, I want to tell you, thank you for serving the way that you do. And it, shameless plug, if you want to be on the dream team, go through the growth track. We'd love to have you. Today's step three, I think. Step three, step three, step two. And that one's just as good. You can jump in at any point. But you know what? There's times, if I'm, if I'm just being candid with you, there's times that I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, God, I'm tired of waiting because I pray. I pray all the time. God, give us a church building. Give us church offices so we can minister to people every single day of the week. And, and I want you to, to be praying about that too. But there's some days I'm like, God, make it happen now. Now, God, just come through right now. And God's like, I'm doing something in all of you right now. It's like I'm actually doing something in the dream team right now. I'm doing something with your community of faith for you to continue to follow me in faith that I will provide for you. God doesn't always give us what we want right now, but he gives us always what we need in the moment. Don't try to get ahead of God. Here's the second one is this. Or let me, let me, let me read this scripture to you. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. So see, here's, here's what that's saying. In other words, you and I, we have the wrong understanding about God. We think that he's slow when he's really, he's not slow. The Bible says he's actually patient. There's a huge difference between sl slowness and patience. Slowness means that you're just kind of like eh, taking your time. Patience means there is purpose behind the tempo of what you're doing. There is per patience means there's purpose behind the speed by which something is happening. Slow just means you're maybe lazy. Let me tell you this. God is not lazy. God is intentional. He is patient. There's a big difference there. Watch this, write this down. The secret of patience is doing something else in the meantime. Here's the secret of patience, doing something else in the meantime. What do you do in the waiting? How do you wait well? Do what Psalms 37, the psalmist said this. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Here, here's the saying. If you want, to know, you want to do well in the waiting, here's what you do. You get into the presence of God. You pour out your heart your frustrations, your disappointments. You pour those things out before him and you get in his presence. Maybe it's five minutes in the morning, 10 minutes. Turn on some worship. 
and you just come before him and say, God, I just welcome your presence into my life, and you be real with him. Like, God can handle you being real with him and just say, God, I am dealing with doubt that the promise is never going to happen, that I'm never going to have a child, that I'm never going to get married, that I'm never going to get a break. I'm dealing with that, but I come into your presence right now, and I wait patiently for you to act. And I ask for your peace. I ask for your patience. See, patience is not a switch that you can turn on. It's only something the Holy Spirit can produce through your life. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so you begin to fill your room or your car or your bathroom, wherever you're at, with the presence of God, saying, I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come and produce in me patience in the waiting. That's what we do. We welcome him. What do you do in the waiting? You do something else. You get into the presence of God. And I love what it goes on to say in the tail end of that. It says, it says, and don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their evil schemes. You know what it's saying? Don't get caught up in the people around you, voices around you. Don't even get caught up in other people's promises coming to fruition and yours isn't. Because then you'll get a critical spirit and you won't be able to celebrate with other people that are winning when you feel like you're losing. Not in my notes either. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I need to go to London more often. Here's a second for you. When you wait, focus. This, you cannot miss this. Please don't miss this. When you wait, focus on what's happening in you, not what's happening to you. That's so good. You cannot miss that. Listen, here's why. You can rest assured that anytime something is happening to you, God is wanting to do something in you. Why? Because God is more concerned with your character than your comfort. He's more concerned with preparing you than what he has prepared for you. He wants to prepare you. He wants to get you to a place where your character can watch, that your character can receive and sustain and steward the thing that you've been praying for. Because a lot of times we'll pray for something that we're not actually prepared and ready for and we don't have the character for. So then whenever we get it, we can't actually steward it properly. So God says, I'm not going to give that thing to you yet. This isn't always the case, but this is sometimes the case. I can't give that to you yet because I need to continue working on you so that you don't ruin what I want to give you. That's not always the case. But in my experience, that's been a lot of times in my case. That a lot of times God is trying to do a work in me. Listen, God is trying to do something in you. Romans chapter 8 says it like this. Waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. The longer we wait, the larger we become. For pregnant ladies, that's a good verse for you right now. Husbands, please don't quote this verse to your wife when she's pregnant. But think about this. See, the writer of Romans, Paul here, and Eugene Peterson, as he translated this in, in, in the message translation, the picture they're trying to paint is a spiritual picture with a physical picture saying this, that in the same way that the mother, the longer she waits, the larger she becomes, the same is true spiritually in our spiritual formation and our spiritual development. The longer we wait, we're not being diminished. We're actually being prepared, and our character becomes larger. Our spirit becomes larger. Our faith becomes larger. Listen, embrace the waiting. Embrace the waiting. Waiting is actually a good thing. It no longer, it no more diminishes you any more than it diminishes a pregnant mother. Listen, patience, write this down. Patience isn't the ability to wait, but the ability to act right while you wait. 
to have the right spirit while you wait. To have the right attitude while you wait. Patience is simply, isn't simply waiting, it's keeping the right perspective and the right spirit and the right attitude. And by acting right while you wait, you keep a spirit of faith, you keep a spirit of hope, you keep a positive spirit even in the waiting. James 1, and I don't want to unpack this a lot. Elton, you can come up here. I don't want to unpack this too much because I'm going to talk about this in a few weeks. But listen to this, James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, whenever you're going through a waiting season, consider it pure joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may, watch this, be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Ouch. That's what I wrote down in my journal. Ouch. Here's how this speaks to me. Whether we like it or not, God is committed to this process. God will allow us to walk through challenges, delays, and even disappointments because he is committed to seeing our character developed and us reach our full potential. As a matter of fact, our attitudes can oftentimes slow down the fulfillment of the promise because God is more committed to who we are becoming than what we are experiencing. Let me ask you this question. What are you still needing to produce? Or this is a question you should ask the Lord. What are you, Lord, still needing to produce in me to prepare me for what you've prepared for me. Oh, I'm gonna skip over this. Just let me give you this last thing right here. I love it. Here's the last little thing I think Sarah would probably try to say to you is even our very best attempts cannot possibly compare to anything God has in mind for us. Even your best attempt to try to, try to produce something, it, it can't even compare. Listen, God has a much better plan for your life than what you can produce for yourself. Isaiah said it like this, since before the time began, no eye has ever imagined, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you. Watch this, who works for those who wait for him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined a God like you who works for those who wait for you. Listen to this, he works while we wait. And if we're still waiting, he's still working. He works while we wait. And if we're still waiting, God is still working. Here's a word that God spoke to me in London because I'm waiting on something right now too. So I'm not just preaching at you, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to my own spirit, my own heart, my own faith. This is what God spoke to me and, and I'm just one of those believers that when it comes to prophetic ministry, that's words that come from God to people. I'm, I'm, I'm of, the, of the opinion that when God speaks an encouraging word to somebody, if you're standing around them and it resonates with you, steal that word, just take it. Just take it and own it like it's your own by faith. I wanna share with you the word that God gave me and I pray that if it resonates with you, you can just steal it and you can claim it as your own. This is what God said to me on the plane coming home from London. He said, trust me, Jason, trust me. I'm working in the waiting. I'm not just working on the promise, I'm working on you, the person. Keep the right spirit, hold on to my promise. It's going to happen, just be patient, just trust me. That's a word for somebody today, I'm not sure who it is, but. I think that the waiting season is much like the dark room that a photographer uses to develop pictures. See, a photographer goes out, and we live in a beautiful city to do this, but 
photographer goes out and takes those pictures the old school way, the real way, right? You know, we just take them with our phones now. But the old school way, the way Josh takes pictures. Take pictures and, and, you, and you, you get this mental picture of this beautiful shot and, and you see its beauty and, oh, you take this snapshot. And then there's a, there's a waiting process because you, you can't just see it right then, right? You, you, gotta, you gotta go to the dark room. But then when you go to the dark room, you gotta do what? You gotta develop the picture and then even developing it in the dark room there's a waiting process. You're just waiting. You're waiting for the negatives to be developed in the picture. You're waiting for the negatives. I'm going to say that again because some of you need to hear that. In the dark room of the waiting, God is waiting for the negatives in your life to develop into something beautiful so that you can reach the full potential of the picture of your life, of what he wants the world around you to see. And this is what happens in the waiting. And it's in the dark room. See, waiting is the dark room of the divine. It's where you and I, we, we have our, our potential developed so that we can, we can reach our full potential so that God can show the world his glory through your life. Listen to me. You don't want to be overexposed and underdeveloped. You'll never show the full picture of the glory of God in your family, to your family, in your community, at your workplace. But there's a waiting. Embrace the waiting. The dark room. Whatever the promise may be, listen, God is faithful. Sarah and Abraham would tell you, it may take you 25 years, but God is faithful. You can do well in the waiting, amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? I wanna pray over you. God, I pray for people right now that are in a waiting season. I know I'm in a waiting season. There's some things you've promised me and I've been holding on to hope and been trusting you and believing that you're going to come through and I believe that I believe that you are. God, I would hope that the message like this would never feel like some something insensitive, but but that God that that your words would come through and you would encourage people in this season that maybe they're waiting. Maybe it's maybe someone waiting for a spouse, a companion, maybe it's waiting for a child, maybe someone that has had numerous miscarriages and they're just they're waiting for that child and maybe someone waiting for healing and maybe someone that's waiting for just a friendship waiting for a family and a community to belong to waiting for a job or a promotion or a breakthrough waiting for maybe freedom in a certain area of their life God I pray that they would not become weary in the waiting Holy Spirit right now will you give people faith to continue to believe? Will you give people strength to continue to hold on so that they can do well in the waiting? God, we thank you for that. With every head bow and every eye closed, let me ask you this question. If today you're here and you say, you know what, Jason, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're here today and you say, I once followed Jesus, but I don't now. But today you say, I want to I want to become a follower of Jesus and I want to commit my life to knowing him and following him and trusting him. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to have you stand up or come down to the front. But I want you just to acknowledge that in your own heart that today you say, I, I, hear, I hear heaven calling me to begin to follow. And maybe you want to say something like this. It's just a simple prayer. I prayed something like this when I was 18. Just pray this in your own heart. Jesus, Today, I hear you loud and clear. 
calling me to follow you. And today I choose to become your follower, not to follow a church or a movement or a religion, but to follow a person, the person Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus. I don't know what that means fully, but I know you're calling me. And so in faith, I respond and I say, I will follow you. Today I commit my life to you. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins, for my sins, to give me a fresh start and a new beginning. Thank you that you rose again. And that because of your resurrection, I can die to my old life and today can be resurrected to a new life. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week on the podcast or live in San Francisco, California. Keep up with life at Sozo Church by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.